uh, is an interesting verse that um, it doesn't really fit with verses 1 through 5. It doesn't really fit with verses uh, 7 through 11. So it's going to get its own, its own time this morning. Uh, it is um, dealing with the relationships. Remember, all of the Sermon on the Mount deals with relationships of some kind. Uh, this one deals with our relationship to a particular kind of, uh, of person. Uh, verse 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So it's give not to dogs and swine things that are holy and valuable. Uh, now at first sight, this is a pretty astonishing pretty astonishing language coming from Jesus, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, and immediately after verses 1 through 5, where he, he gives us the, the, the constructive behavior that we're to have towards our brothers and sisters. But, you know, Jesus always called something by its name. I mean, he, uh, when he uh, was, well, he was very outspoken uh, concerning Herod, and he called him that fox. Uh, when dealing with the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs. He called them broods of vipers. And, and here he confirms that there are certain people who act like animals and can be very accurately labeled as dogs and pigs. He, he doesn't hold back when he doesn't want to hold back. Now, what does this phrase mean? Well, there's, there's no specific application given here uh, it, it does seem to bring together a couple of proverbs we may have heard in the past, like a dog returns to his own vomit, and, and, and boy, just nothing grosses you out more than seeing that, right? Just a dog doing that, and a sow is washed only to wallow back in the mud again. You know, you just don't wash a pig and expect it to stay clean. It seems to mean not to waste something uh, on something or not to waste something on someone who doesn't appreciate it. Uh, you know, just don't offer excellent things to those that aren't worthy. Now, his command is that we should not give dogs what's holy. We don't throw pearls before swine. And the picture, I mean, the picture's plain enough. Uh, a Jew would never hand holy food, and, and, and by that it's probably food that was previously used in a sacrifice. He would never hand that over to an unclean dog, nor would he ever dream of throwing pearls to a bunch of pigs, right? That just wouldn't happen. I mean, not only are the pigs unclean, but they'd probably mistake the pearls for nuts or peas or something like that. They'd try to eat them, and then once he couldn't eat them, he'd spit them out, he'd trample them into the mud, and he may even turn on the person that gave him the pearls to begin with and then just, you know, go after him. Well, if, if, if the picture is clear, and, and it is, what does it mean? I mean, what are the holy things, and what are the pearls? What are the dogs, and what are the pigs? Well, let's, let, let's try to define our terms here just a little bit. We have a good idea what holy things are. It means physically pure, uh, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated. Uh, some think that this might be God's truth and, and, and his word, and if that is, then it means we're not to uh, expose God's word, his truth, unnecessarily to abuse and to mockery. 
Some think it refers to the kingdom of God or to salvation itself, and then by extension it would be the gospel. Dogs in the New Testament aren't like our dogs today. We, we pamper our puppies, right? We, they're part of the family, and, 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 and yet dogs back then were not. For, them, for, for Jesus to call them dogs, it's savage, snarling haters of truth and righteousness. He might be talking about the Judaizers that are mentioned in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2, where Jesus says, beware, well, well, Paul is writing, he says, beware of dogs. He might be referring to Gentiles or, or maybe even unbelievers. A pearl would be something of great value, maybe a word of great value. You've heard of people, you know, speaking pearls of wisdom, you know. You, you hear a particular saying, it rings true. Well, that's a nice little pearl of wisdom there. Um, it might refer to God's word. It might refer to our own precious thoughts, those, those inner private confidences. Uh, it might have an application to truth. Uh, they, they, people smarter than us have not really decided or able to discern exactly what these things mean, but there are some applications. We don't have much trouble defining a swine, do we? A pig's a pig's a pig. We all like bacon, right? They're impure, they're abrasive, they're, they're incapable of appreciating the priceless jewels of Christianity. They're always uh, symbolic of greed, they're always symbolic of filth. Now, there's a command concerning the holy things here. Now, as, as God's people, we are privileged to handle the holy things of God. Uh, he has entrusted uh, to us these precious truths of the word of God, and we have to regard them carefully. Um, no, no, again, no dedicated priest would throw meat from the altar to a filthy dog, and only a fool would give pearls to pigs. Now, while it's true that we have to carry the gospel to every creature, it's also true that we must not cheapen the gospel by ministry that lacks discernment. See, even Jesus, again, refused to talk to Herod, and Paul refused to argue with people that resisted God's word. Now, remember up in verse 1, we've just been told not to judge. Um, but yet here we are, we are called upon to make some judgments, to, to use some discernment. The reason for the judgment then is not so that we can condemn others, but so that we might be able to, to minister correctly and effectively. You notice that, that Jesus always dealt with individuals according to their needs and according to their spiritual condition. Uh, he didn't have a memorized speech that he used with everybody. Uh, he did not take the salesman's approach. Uh, he discussed the new birth with Nicodemus. He spoke of living water with the woman at the well. Uh, when the religious leaders tried to trap him, he refused to answer their questions. It's, it, it's a wise Christian who first assesses a person before sharing these precious pearls. Now, discernment is commanded by Jesus. He expects us to be discerning. 
in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, it says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. It takes some discernment to, to, to look at the fruit and tell what kind of person it is. So we have to use the skill of discernment. Discernment is a reasoned assessment of others based on their words and behavior after a thorough examination. Now, notice that this is based not on, 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 on our projected motives, what, what we project their motives to be, but, but it's based on what we see and what we hear. These are objective things. That it, it's, it's not us like we read about last week in 3, 4, and 5 of chapter 1. We're not trying to discern what they're thinking or what their motives are. It's just by what we see on the outside. The person with the skill of discernment has this uncanny ability to, to, to hear the ring of truth in something. They can spot a phony. Uh, they can sift the wheat. They can, they can smell a rat. Okay? Discernment takes wisdom. Now, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the correct application of that knowledge. And wisdom will keep a person out of trouble. Wisdom will help you avoid danger. It'll help you make the right decisions in life. See, we're commanded to put all things, teachings, peoples, uh, whatever it is, to the test. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Prove all things, or test all things, assay all things, hold fast to that which is good. In 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Discernment there in chapter 4, verse 1. The abandoning biblical discernment makes us, makes us fools. Right? We're not to do that. We, we make discernments about our own behavior first. We, we learn that, that we, we take the beam out of our own eye first so that we're qualified and we're ready to help our brothers or sisters that might need help. Look, Jesus, Jesus came to heal the sick. He spent more time with the sinner than he did with anybody else while, while he, had, he, he had choice words for, for, for Pharisees and Sadducees. Right? He called them names. He called them out. I mean, to call a Pharisee a whitewashed tomb or a snake was a grave insult. But he was calling them what they were. I mean, take the woman at the well again, for instance. I mean, she, she was a sinful woman. And Jesus knew the moral impurity that was in her life. He knew the way she was living. Yet he revealed to her the fact that he was the promised Messiah. And to the woman taken in adultery, Jesus announced that he did not condemn her, but he encouraged her to go her way and to sin no more. To Zacchaeus, the prominent he was a tax collector. He was a traitor to his people. And Jesus more or less invited himself over to dinner at his house. But then Jesus talks of dogs and pigs. He is not talking about people who have made some poor choices in their life. He is not talking about those who have made poor choices and are even suffering the consequences of those poor choices. See, God is able to distinguish between the sin and the sinner. And for him, words like dog and swine mean an unclean heart, not just an unclean lifestyle, not just living 
the life sinners live because they're sinners, but something particular that goes on in their heart. Now, we're commanded to go to the lost and to declare the gospel to, to every creature. If they reject scripture or they reject the gospel, if they are discerned to be dogs, then their blood is no longer on our hands as long as we have done what we can do. But I want you to notice a few things about dogs here, the way Jesus uh, describes them. The dogs back then, some of them would growl when you feed them and they would growl when you wouldn't feed them. The stray dogs were known to growl at those who would try to help them. As well, and if you ignored them, they would growl at you. It's very much a bite the hand that feeds them kind of thing. They were mongrels and they would run around in packs. They would hang out in the city dumps and uh, they were not pets. Okay? They were wild and they were vicious. And, and, and with, the, with the sacrifice, you know, the dog sees it as just a piece of meat. It's not that the dog wouldn't eat this food sacrificed uh, like this. They would welcome it, but, but it would be such a sacrilege to give such a holy thing to a mongrel mutt that roamed the street. But if we don't go to them, if we, if we too easily write somebody off as a dog, then their blood's on our hands. See, some folks might say, well, I went, yeah, and that person is never going to get saved. Now, that does not mean by itself that a person is a dog here. That does not mean that you have the right just to write them off. Look, we, we usually don't have the problem of taking the gospel to somebody too many times or taking the gospel to somebody who, who is a dog or a pig. Our problem is we don't take it enough or we don't take it at all. The person rejecting the gospel just because they reject it when you speak to them once or twice does not mean by itself that they are rejecting it as a dog. And what about these pigs? Well, the main thing to know about the pigs is that all through Scripture, they are unclean, right? They, they're not spoken of well. They are vicious, and in the wild, they would turn and kill somebody uh, just by cutting them with their teeth, with their tusks. And, and, and those things were often so contaminated by the muck that they would wallow in that you'd, you'd die from the infection, not, not really just the cut. It's like the uh, Komodo dragons, the... Uh, well, the goats that run around that island, they, they sneak up on the goat, they bite the leg of the goat, they infect the goat, and they just sit back, wait for the goat to die of infection, then they eat the goat, all right? Just nasty, germ-filled mouths. There's still wild pigs, wild boars that hang out in the Jordan Valley, and, and they act kind of like the bears do here, is that you get too close to them, you, you bother them, and then they'll come and they'll attack you. Uh, and the imagery that Jesus is using here is, is, is vivid. You don't, you don't take what is valuable, whether it's the gospel or your own personal uh, pearls, and you don't cast them before pigs. You, I mean, don't be surprised when, when you give something valuable to somebody that doesn't deserve it that those things are going to be trampled. I mean, 
that just doesn't happen. And, and, and look at what it says here. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. And because Jesus says they are your pearls, it's thought by many to be that which is a personal treasure. It's a personal secret that's kept close to your heart that should not be shared with just anybody. This is particularly true when you consider what, what a pearl is. You, you know how pearls are made. You've seen the Discovery Channel, right? Uh, that, that they stand alone as, as, as gemstones because they're the product of a living thing. Right, the grain of sand or some other irritant gets under the shell and the mantle of, of the oyster, and the oyster has to cover it with layer upon layer of the knacker uh, to, to lessen the plain, pain of, of that foreign body being there. And, and, and you know, as, as it covers, it grows, you know, and then you, you, you have a pearl. It comes at, uh, at a great price. It comes at great pain. And the pearls that Jesus may be speaking of here, is, they can be so valuable and so precious as the gospel of his salvation, or they can be the secret things of your heart which must not be shared with just anybody indiscriminately because there are hard hearts and there are gossiping tongues which are just waiting for the opportunity to inflict pain on you. And if you throw those pearls into a pig pen they're not going to appreciate their worth they're going to trample them it's going to be a waste guard guard who you give your pearls to now we need some uh, we need some application for this right Matthew Henry cautions us this way he says we must be cautious in who we condemn as dogs and swine because many are written off and forgotten about. It says, God may choose to send us more than once to Pharaoh like he did Moses. Just because somebody doesn't get saved the first time you talk to them, that does not mean they're a dog. That does not mean they're a pig. J.C. Ryle said this, It is not everybody to whom it is wise to open our minds on spiritual matters. There are many from whom violent tempers or openly reckless habits are utterly incapable of valuing the things of the gospel. They will even fly into a rage and run into greater excesses of sin if we try to do good to their souls. Uh, to name the name of Christ to such people is truly to cast your pearls before swine. It does them not good but harm. It arouses all their corruption and makes them angry. In short, they are like the Jews at Corinth or like Nabal in 1 Samuel 25, of whom it was written uh, that he was such a son of Belial that a man could not speak unto him. Now, you know people like this where just the bare mention of the gospel and they fly into a rage and they cuss and they spit and they spatter and they cannot shut you up fast enough and they have not only no regard but they have an adamant disregard for the things of God. Another commentary says among the wicked there are some that have arrived at, 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 at such a pitch of wickedness that they are looked upon as dogs and swine. They are impudently and notoriously vile and they have long walked in the way of sinners that they have now sat in the seat of the scornful 
They professedly hate and despise instruction and set it at deviance so that they are irrevocably and irreclaimably wicked. Now, that means some. Speaking to them about Christ is a waste of time. Sharing the gospel with them is not only uh, unprofitable, it, it, it is dangerous. But we cannot possibly deduce from this that Jesus is forbidding us to preach the gospel to unbelievers. That's not what he's saying. To suppose that Jesus says, all right, just don't speak to them, would, would, would really stand the New Testament on its head and contradict the Great Commission that we're to go out and make disciples of all nations. So then the dogs and the pigs who we are not to share the gospel with or that we are to discontinue sharing the gospel with, they are not just unbelievers. They must be those who have had ample opportunity to hear and receive the good news, but have decisively and even defiantly rejected it. Christostom uses a similar expression. He identifies the people, um, dogs and pigs. He says, those living in incurable, okay, get it, incurable ungodliness. Now, Jesus applied the same principle to the ministry when he sent the 12 out and, and, and he sent them out on, on, on their first mission. He warned them that in every town, every house they entered, although some people would be receptive or, or they'd be called worthy, others would be unreceptive or unworthy. And if, and if they did not receive them, if they didn't listen to them, then they were to shake the dust off their feet or off their robes and leave the town. Paul followed the same principle on all three of his missionary journeys. If they wouldn't listen to him, if they wouldn't give him the time of day, if they attacked him, he just shook the dust off and left. Now, what we need to understand is that this teaching of Jesus is for exceptional situations only. Our normal duty is to be patient and to persevere just because somebody rejects the gospel doesn't mean they're a dog and doesn't mean that they're a pig. All right? God, uh, we need to be as patient with them as God has been with us. We must not use our laziness as an excuse to pass judgment on those who are challenging to win to Christ. Being challenging doesn't make them a dog or a pig. We make that call only with ample evidence, with spirit-empowered discernment, and we walk away. Otherwise, we preach the gospel to every creature, every creature. If they prove to be a dog or a pig, then don't waste your time with them. There's plenty of other lost people that need to hear the gospel. But you need to be discerning. And don't write them off so quickly. This is a rare instance that Jesus writes about here. The commentaries are in agreement with this. This is exceptional teaching, which means that the exception will be we'll come across dogs and pigs. We're not going to come across them a lot. But when we do, just leave them alone. Let sleeping dogs lie, so to speak. Otherwise, you preach the gospel to everybody you can.
that is consistent with the New Testament teaching. Stand with their heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, this morning we want to thank you for this this one one verse in in your word, Lord. And Lord, so very often we think that when somebody is difficult to win, that well they must be a dog or pig, so we're off the hook. Father, may that not be so. Lord, people like this come to mind. Uh, if Lord, we know if we've soul wind, if we've knocked doors, if we visited a lot, we. We know the type of person this is. And we understand that they are the exception. Now, there are some that reject the gospel. There are some that don't get saved the first 15 or 20 times that, that we share Christ with them. But, Lord, they're not, uh, they don't come across as your enemy. They're not, they're not dogs. They're not vicious. They're not pigs. They're not trying to trample us. They're just saying no to you. Father, help us to be discerning. Help us to be wise. So that while we do want to obey your word, we, we don't want to go too far and leave out somebody that, that just needs another chance to trust Christ. Help us to be wise. Help us to be discerning. Lord, help us to be busy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come?